From Noble Robot on East Hennepin Avenue in Once and Future Minneapolis, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Ellen Burns-Johnson, and I make nice games. I'm Steve McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Croy, to make nice games. In this episode, we talk with Zachtronics founder Zach Barth to discuss the logistics of moving on. And so, if everyone is ready, let's start. Hi, Zach. Hi. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Welcome to the show. So this is our first interview coming back from hiatus, and we were, we sort of were talking to Zach as we started. That like we're kind of out of step. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> so listener beware, I guess. I think uh, this happens every year, but, uh, or it just happens every episode, and we forget it every time. Oh yeah, this is part of it. <laughs> might be might be part it's of a feature? it. Feature. Yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, before we get into the topic, I think we should probably just get a quick introduction to you, Zach, because not everybody knows who you are and what Zachtronics is. So if you can give us just a little bit of a quick background. Oh, God. Um, I'm a human being. I uh, have made video games in the past. Um, yeah. So, I mean, Zachtronics, we made games for about 10 years. Uh, I, I guess we're famous for making programming puzzle games. Um, we didn't invent the genre, but we we certainly advanced it. Um, also, before before we went kind of full time indie, I I made a game called Infiniminer, which was the uh, somewhat related to the creation of Minecraft too. Mm-hmm. So that was sort of my that, I guess that was technically a Zactronics game, but that was that was not commercial. Mm-hmm. So those are sort of the two the two things, right? Programming <laughs> games and then a block game. Mm-hmm. But I think on top of that, I think one of the reasons I think people like Zachtronics games, or has, or as they've been dubbed, is Zach likes, right? Is is that <laughs> they sort of ex- regrettably they explain themselves, right? So it's for uh, game developers love your games, but I think gamers who like to know how things are made and how things work mm. like your games, and that includes mm. like you've you've published you know a, a documentation on some of this stuff as well. Is that right? Oh, uh, kind of. I mean, you're, you're talking about the manuals that come with some of the programming games? Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of the games are... So a lot of our games are about kind of about programming. Some of them are very about programming and that you're typing words into like like text and words and you know computer programs into a, the game. And those, the it's rather than having a tutorial for that, um, I mean, they kind of are tutorialized in a way, but they, they come with the instruction, like reference manuals, right? Because when you're programming, it's not enough just to introduce commands one at a time and then just hope you remember them all. You kind of need reference materials. Mm-hmm. And it, it started off as sort of not wanting to make a tutorial uh, for a game that would have been really weird and bad having a tutorial. And so we wrote this reference manual and then it kind of got a little in-universe and like a little fictionalized. Mm-hmm. Um, and then trying to really double down on that with, that was in TIS-100. Um, which was sort of like an accidental experimental game. Mm-hmm. And then when we doubled down on that with Shenzhen IO, we're like, okay, what if this was not only the reference manual for the programming part of the game, but also a huge source of world building material and it all kind of tied together. And and it, we've we've made like, I don't know, like 10 or 12 games. Only three of them have manuals. So it's not like <laughs> all of our games have manuals. It's just the programming ones, but it's a big part of it. And um, certainly, you know, like buying a game that, if you bought the deluxe edition comes with a binder where what's mm-hmm. in the binder is actually like truly essential to playing the game. Like that's not a very common thing, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I played uh, last call BBS last year and I loved it. Um, I'll just report that back to you. Um, but one of the things I loved about it was that it let you discover it. I mean, cause it was literally a sort of a it presented itself as an operating system, but yes, I played it not really the way I play video games. I played it the way I discover new pieces of software. 
by poking around in menus and just trying yeah. things and not worrying about my performance or my progression. Um, yeah. And that was that's such a unique experience. And I, I, I mean, as a game developer, it's particularly suited to the way <laughs> what I spent a lot of my day doing anyway. And so it yeah. was kind of like just engaging in, in that um, on its own. And I, I, I really liked that about it, that in particular. Is that like a... Is that something you aim for, or is that a, just a consequence of the types of designs that Zachtronics made? I I would say it's probably one of the bad things about the game. Oh yeah. Oh. Um, from like a commercial standpoint, I mean, people like uh. games that are like games. That's why games are like games. You know. <laughs> yeah. So last last call is a I would say it's a collection of eight smaller games, and that was largely in response to uh we have we you know we we were working at the office um we were we were working on Mobius Front which is the previous game we were like about like half or three quarters of the way through when COVID happened. And then we all went to working from home and we were able to finish up Mobius Front fine working remotely, but it's kind of hard to start a new game when you don't even know what you're making and working mm-hmm. remotely. And so um, we, um, we ended up uh, just sort of, I guess, rather than trying to work on a single thing as a big team, we sort of was like, what if we made something that was a collection of a bunch of little games and like some of us could work together on one and some of us could work together on another. And, and then we could kind of piece it together into this bigger package. We had, it, it was weird because, like, Last Call starts... So there's, there's a game in Last Call called 20th Century Food Court, mm-hmm. right? So originally, that, the game that was Last Call, like, that, like, slot of a game that we... Because we released, like, one game a year, right? And so that game, like, 20th Century Food Court was going to be the only game we were making. Oh. And so we, we were working on it, and we had made a lot of progress in kind of getting started on it. But it, it was hard to see how we were going to build that into a full game, and it was hard to see how we were going to build that into a full game when we were so distributed and and things were so disconnected. And so that was when the game that I wanted to kind of make after that, like after we had wrapped up production of games at Zactronics was something that would have been a collection of, of smaller games that were ideas that I had had over the years and never been able to, to really make. And so at some point it was just like, Hey, why don't we just, just do all of that now? Right? Like, why don't we just consider this game as one of those games, make a small version of it and then make all these other projects that we've been thinking about. And then I can work on it with different parts with different people. And, and it just kind of all happened for a while. We weren't sure how to sell it. We were like, well, maybe we'll sell it. And it's like every, every three months you get like a new floppy disk <laughs> that comes with like a big game and a small game and like a text file and some stuff on it. And they were just like, Oh no, we can't like make, we can't make stuff on a, on a schedule like that. That's not going to work. And that, that was when we ended up kind of packaging it together into, into just the big thing in it. Yeah. And then we had to con- concoct like the operating system and the discoverability sort of like as an afterthought to like, Oh God, like how do we, how do we like sell this? Right. What do we do with this? And so we, we constructed something and I, I like it for sure, but I would definitely not say it's something to aspire to. Cause I don't, it's kind of weird. You know, I don't like as, as game developers, maybe we're like, oh, interesting choices. I like that. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know about normal people who buy games. They maybe aren't as forgiving. Yeah, that's the whole thing about games. Right. You, there's one side of you that uh, really wants to make something artistic and cool. And the other side of you that wants to live and make money. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> I guess I'm generally it, when I think about these things conceptually mm-hmm. or I evaluate them. The little, the little sort of art critic in me. I'm wholly unconcerned with the staying alive and making. Oh yeah, yeah. Like that's not. I mean, that's not wise. But um, well, you're critiquing it, so it's I fine. suppose so. <laughs> but I can hear in your response, like you kind of came to the format of this game as a consequence of your circumstances, and yeah. and you make it almost. You kind of almost. You, you sort of downplay it or you almost badmouth it. But then you also describe trying to brainstorm. Oh, now this is no longer just a consequence. Let's turn this into an idea. And then abandoning further ambitions for that and just settling with, with the result of the circumstances. And I think, I mean, to sort of 
maybe let you off the hook a little bit. Like, I think that is still genuinely a good place to start and end uh, with a, an original concept, even if it was born out of sort of necessity or circumstance. Oh, yeah. I, I think that's true with all of our games, too, that we're, you know, we, we, we put out like a game a year, mm-hmm. right? And so we just had to kind of make games and ship them, right? And there wasn't a lot of time to think about it too much. Um, I've never been particularly concerned, at least not lately, with trying to make stuff that people are expecting or want to play or buy. Right. Or whatever. It's sort of just like, what do we feel like making? What 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 can I imagine making in a year that we can actually execute on and and end up with? Mm-hmm. And so it's just sort of whatever we end up with for whatever reason is just like, well, I guess that's the game we're making. <laughs> yeah. Right? There's, you know, what what else are you going to do other than do the thing you're going to do? Right. Like, right, you don't right. really have a choice. Right. So as much as I would love to be a, a more successful game developer, I'm, I'm stuck in this body with these ideas, and so. <laughs> Is it, just have to make the most of it. Having that sort of uh, rough schedule or, you, or expectation that you're going to make a game a year, does that make it easier to not get too attached to a concept and just let it be what it is? Because you know next year you're going to be making something else? I guess. I think it's kind of the other way around. It's that, like a lack of attachment is what drives a year. Okay. Like, I, could pay, I could pay attention to something for about a year. Like that's, that's doable. Uh, that's nice. Yeah, I think tracks. there's a lot of developers listening right now just shaking their heads. Like if only they had that scope discipline. Right? <laughs> I just, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't even know what to do with four years on one project. Yeah. Right. Like, what are you going to like make, make a puzzle game, but then have four times as many puzzles? Like people don't even play all the puzzles that I make. Mm. Right. So like, there's not really four years. Like, I don't know. I think people spend a lot of time just making content and content is expensive and we're poorly suited to it. And it's not going to sell more copies because there's four times the content or something. It's just kind of, I feel like in a lot of ways, I always felt like the bottleneck for me was the ideas. Mm, yeah right? okay. like my my ideas are shit and that's the problem you know but like four years isn't gonna help with that right like yeah yeah <laughs> yeah well and especially if you're spending more and more time with an idea because i've been on projects yeah. that have lasted multiple years and the more time you spend with it it's kind of like absence makes the heart grow fonder yeah the more time like <laughs> day in and day out that you show up and you're working on the same thing you're like well that's crap and that's crap over there but they're gonna stay in because no one else thinks yeah. they are, you know. Yeah. It's and we put eight months into it already. What are we gonna do? Not include it? Like Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think we want to talk about the decision to wind down Zactronics, but I think I want listeners to get a handle on what the shape and form of the company was, because I think I want to get into some of the more logistics about like literally with the steps. And so to start out. Like, what is Zactronics? Does it have employees? Uh, who owns it? How is that? It, just yeah. the basics of that sort of thing. Because what an indie studio looks like is uh, is sort of opaque to other indie, indie studios, right? Yeah. It could be a single member yeah. LLC. It could be a bunch of people with, you know, just a loose affiliation and, and a, you know, a prayer between them. Yeah. So Zactronics initially, and this would have been back in, like, I made Infiniminer in 2009, Right. So Zactronics then was just me. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't, I didn't sell anything. Right. It was just like literally just me making games, putting them online for free. Sometimes I'd collaborate with people a little bit. Like I made um, the game that inspired Infiniminer was a game that I'd worked on with somebody else in college because he was a little bit better of a programmer than me. And so he, you know, like helped out with some programming stuff, but never really came out. Uh, Infiniminer had shit art because I had to make all of it myself. And so like another friend from college made like some of the weapon sprites and stuff. And so it was mostly like my friend Keith wrote the shaders for the sky because like, I didn't even know what a shader was then. And so it was 2009. Not, maybe not that many people did. But um, yeah, so that was just me. And then after uh, so Infiniminer came out, it was it was a free game. 
Uh, I just sort of released it. I didn't know what to do with it. Uh, it was awkward because it was more popular than anything else I'd ever made. And so people immediately were like, holy shit, like this is awesome. There's blocks and mining and you can build stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't know what to do with this. And so it, um, I, I didn't really go anywhere with for me. Um, and then Minecraft came out. And that was, um, I guess before that, it's hard, it's hard to even explain it now because I, I didn't think you could sell video games like uh, as yeah. like a person, right? And yep. it, it, it doesn't even make sense nowadays yeah. because obviously you can sell video games, right? And it's like, oh, you mean you're just like a one person? Like, yeah, that doesn't matter, right? And so I was really, really resistant to the idea of trying to make money with games, right? Even I, I was making Flash games. And I had made some Flash games and people who were like fans on, on my site, because I put it all on my site, they're like, oh, you should put it on Congregate. You can get money for people playing your games. I'm just like, I don't need money for my games. You know, like I, I was really resistant to doing it. Sure, and yeah. then finally, I did it because they like told me to. And I made a thousand bucks, you Ooh. know, like in one of their weekly game challenges. Right. And it was it was it was a really strange idea to me at the time. And so after seeing Minecraft take off, it was just like, OK. I guess you can sell games now. And that was when Space Chem happened. Mm. So I gathered together some of my friends. I'm like, let's spend more time and let's make a big game with the intention of selling it. And and I, I thought we would maybe make like $10,000 or something. We ended up making a couple hundred thousand dollars before, you know, like a couple of us decided to stop working at Microsoft and start a game studio. And so for the couple of years after that, and this would have been around like 2012 to 2015, uh, we ran it as a, a company with employees. Um, there, it started off just being like me owning it and then having employees. I sort of like Space Camp was profit sharing. And so I sort of bought everybody out of their profit sharing contracts and, and hired them on as employees and and, and various depends on the people. A lot of people worked on Space Camp. But um, it was a company that I, I ran uh, uh, about halfway through that part of Zactronics. We... We had like kind of we 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 thought in, we Space Chem was kind of a hit, and then so we thought Ironclad Tactics, our next game, since it was like a normal game that wasn't like a chemistry themed puzzle game, <laughs> we thought it was going to be a huge hit, and it, it wasn't. Mm. And so we actually had to like cut the studio in half after that. And everybody who stuck around after that, it was like, okay, we're never going to have employees again. You're all we're all going to co-own the studio. And so we did, but I was still in charge, very much so. And we immediately started hiring people again because that was when we were working on Infinifactory and TIS 100, and we needed people to help with the 3D stuff. And we had like an intern, and so we ended up hiring people immediately um, after that. Um, after Infinifactory and TIS 100, they both did okay. Like it was better than Ironclad Tactics because it was hard for us to do worse, but um, it, they did okay. But uh, we were kind of not sure what to do for our next game, and we were trying. In, in retrospect, spent way too much time trying to figure, figure out like how to make a successful game again. Every time I've tried to be successful, it's been disastrous. Um, and so I, we just kind of didn't really know what to do. And so, so we shut down the studio and um, just kind of wrapped it up. So that was the first time we shut down Zactronics back in 2015. Um, and so I went to work at Valve. Uh, I worked on VR stuff for a whole 10 months before I was tired of working at Valve. Um, and so I actually, during that time, managed to find this super random company in New York City called Alliance. And they distributed uh, physical games. So like, not like board games, but like they would take like, a, I don't know what games they actually did, but they would take games and put them on DVDs yeah. and then sell them to Walmart. And that was their business. And it was huge. They had this huge business. And so so they bought they bought Zactronics. And we all went to work for them with it being not a company that we ran, but just a studio that we ran. And we got paid salaries, which was cool because one of the, the things that I think we got kind of hung up on before is that we have all these people. We're trying to keep all these people employed. We need to make successful games to keep them employed. Um, and that, that was a lot of that was that was a bit of a burden. And being part of this much bigger company, 
um, it really freed us to focus on just making games, right? Because even if we have like games that don't do well, they're this huge company that's like, it was like 50, their, their business was like 50 times ours. They had like 50 employees, like we had, you know, like five or four or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so, so we did that. And so that was from 2016 to, I guess, 2022 was we were, uh, you know, like a fully owned subsidiary of, of Alliance. One of the weird things that happened though is that like Toys R Us went out of business yeah. a couple of years ago yeah. and they were one of their biggest customers. And oh. so over the time that we were with them, their entire physical distribution business just kind of poof, like just vanished into thin air. Oh. Right. And it, it definitely like changed the the situation a little bit because it, we are no longer like the smallest part of a big company, but the biggest part of a small company. Yeah. And, and it just kind of, you know, like the combination of that with like, just we were kind of tired of making we, you know we, we tried making some some different games that weren't puzzle games but we kind of felt like we had to keep making puzzle games to keep the ship running yeah. and uh and so we we're just like yeah let's let's wrap this up and then this was in i'd say like 2019 was when we made this decision okay. um and then i was like you know i think i want to try being a teacher and so i was like we'll wrap up the studio and we'll finish up work on last call and then i'll go be a teacher well, last call took forever because of COVID and working remotely. Yeah. And so I went and became a teacher while I was still running Zaktronics. Oh. So I, t- I taught computer for like a year. I taught high school computer science uh, during the day. And then like on nights and weekends, just like working on Space Chem while I was at Microsoft, <laughs> like on nights and weekends, I would like, you know, I'd get home, like, like you get out of work pretty early as a teacher. So like I'd come home and they'd still be working from like three to six. And like I would, you know, go in and talk to them or we would... um you know, we would, we would talk online or whatever. And uh, yeah. And so, so we did that. And then both of those things wrapped up at the same time, which was like last summer. So I finished teaching. I was like, one year is more than enough. I'm never teaching again. This is not for me. Um, and then Zachtronics, we finished up last call and shipped it. And so that all wrapped up last summer. Mm-hmm. So that, that's kind of the, the, the long history of Zachtronics. So it was, uh, it was a sole proprietorship without employees, a sole proprietorship with employees, a sort of like co-owned LLC with employees, and then a fully owned subsidiary of a parent company with employees. So that was that was Zactronics. That's fascinating. You like that you closed once too, right? And then started it up again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just- Everybody that I've worked with is starting to get tired of me shutting down the studio and then like six months later being like, hey guys, I've got an idea for a game studio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It does also seem like when in that history, when things get started up again, um, it's 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 because it made it was just sort of made some sense and was easy. Yeah, it wasn't like it doesn't sound like a major ambition for you to like grow it as a studio. Alliance came along and gave you an opportunity to run it in a way that was less uh, onerous on you, uh, you know, yeah. as an administrator. And so, um, how much did that play into the decision? to end it when you decided to end it which time (laughs) (laughs) well i last the second time yeah 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 okay yeah i i to some degree i kind of think sometimes i just need to take a break from things right it's it's kind of weird making making games is weird and running a studio and making games is weird and doing it for years and years and years and years and years and years like it's kind of nice to do something i've never done anything else right like i've only other than zactronics i've only worked before that i worked at microsoft for three years and like hated most of it. Um, and that's the only like real adult job I've ever had, you know? So it's kind of nice sometimes to take a break. Like it yeah. was nice teaching, even if it wasn't really for me. Um, so it's kind of like that, just wanting to take a break, I think. Yeah. I don't know. 
Oh, I was just going to say, that's one of the problems of running a studio with employees is you can't just say like, I'm going to go fuck off for six months, you know, like that's, you know, it's harder to do when like you, you can't stop running things. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. People are counting on you and yeah. they can't take over for you for more than a few days. Yeah. Maybe. Or just, yeah, I don't yeah. know. It's they could maybe like, but it's, if you're not set up for it, I don't know. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> As a quick aside, I, I cannot imagine. I have a uh, teacher friend that used to be a teacher. Um, and some of my experienced teacher friends have side jobs, but they got them after they already had a lot of teaching experience. Mm. So I can't imagine like starting out as a teacher and then also having a job on the side. Yikes. Yeah. It was nice to- that at that point as a team, everybody knew exactly what to do. Yeah. And yeah. so it just kind of ran itself, really. Yeah. You know? Like I, I wrote uh, one of the games in Last Call is Chip Wizard. And I, I, I banged that out from start to finish over spring break. Nice. So <laughs> I had like two weeks off. I'm like, I'm going to make a game. I'm going to just do this now. So That's it, was, fun. it was fun. Yeah. yeah. So you made this decision in 2019. And presumably you would have executed on it a little faster were it not the pandemic. But when, Yeah, I think a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. When you made that decision, was that something where it occurred to you and immediately you're like, oh, yeah, this is the right thing to do. Or was it something you had to deliberate on for a while? And was it? And how did you make that decision in terms of like in co- uh, cooperation with your collaborators? Oh yeah, I went for a walk with Matthew, who's our writer, and 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 I was just like, I think we're done. And he's like, Yeah, I think so too. And then we're like, Okay, huh. so <laughs> so just very yeah. natural for everybody. Yeah, yeah that's- well, not for everybody. I mean, that, that's just two of five of us, right? Sure, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. and we went back to everybody, and we're like, We had a walk, and we we think that we should wrap up the studio. And like some people were like, Yeah, that makes sense, and other people are like. Well, I would like to work here for the rest of my life, but like, sure, I, I understand, you know. <laughs> right, right. So, That's a bit we'd all different. We've all been working ideal. together for so many years. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Huh. Like, I suppose too, the way that the it's it was structured, it wasn't like there would be much use in protesting because <laughs> because like yeah. as long as you know you and at least another person, you know, uh, were sort of made that decision, it wouldn't make a lot of sense to fight it. Because yeah, what, yeah what, what's going to be left then if, if not, you know, because it seems to be that Zachtronics in every iteration only existed with the parts that it had at the moment. Yeah. Right. Any, yeah, any, yeah. Anything left, it wasn't, wouldn't be that anymore. So there yeah. was kind of no going back. I, I, I imagine that was probably obvious. At the time. Yeah. I, I think one of the unfortunate things about Zachtronics is it was often a Zachocracy. Yeah. You know? So, like, I, for, for, for better or worse for everybody else who's not named Zach, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's, <laughs> I, I would say that's one of the things that I'm like, I don't know. That's <laughs> it's just a reality of Zachtronics, I suppose. Yeah, but that's why we shut it down. Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah. I, I wanted to ask then also because in between each project, was this a, an idea that bubbled up every time uh, you you were starting a new project, thinking this might be the last, and then this was the one where you re- where it made the most sense, or or is this different or than uh, you know uh, other times when that decision could have occurred, or different from the 2015 shutdown? I would say it's. It's not something that we thought about every time, but it just kind of, we we all kind of felt it to some degree gradually increasing over time. Okay. And I think even, like, even one of our artists was the one who was like, I would work here for a long time because this job is stable and I like it. But um, even he was just like, yeah, like, it's starting to get, like, we're kind of just doing the same thing. And, yeah. like, it, we all just kind of psychically felt kind of, you know, just a little, like, 
uh, like things have just kind of run their course a little bit. Yeah, you know? that's interesting because like I, I it, everybody could kind of feel it and sense it, and I can imagine like you're describing it. If you're doing the same thing over and over again, everybody, you know, you you'll start to recognize that. And it feels, I imagine, Zectronic started to feel limiting in a lot of ways, just due to the fact that, like, yeah, you were producing the same thing because partly because it worked, but also because like there was not doesn't sound like there was a lot of drive to necessarily do something differently with that company. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I still really, I like puzzle games, yeah. right? I still really like them, but it's, yeah, exactly. It's like a motivation thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like the drive and like we, it, it just kind of felt like we were doing this stuff because we had to, not because we wanted to. Right. And I, I think that, yeah, it's, it's weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's a tough position when you're trying to make something artistic and creative. It's a, it's a tough place to be like creatively and emotionally if you don't have that desire to explore something new or some some yeah. kind of idea that you want to drive towards and bring bring into the world if it just kind of feels mechanical and rote right then it's hard to get that spark that makes it fun to play honestly i think that's a lot you know a lot of times that's where that fun comes from yeah and it's no one's fault when that happens right yeah. like it's just a thing that can happen um it's actually a little okay. scary. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, because it could happen to anyone, and it's not a bad thing. It just uh, it just means you got to move on, right? So yep. yeah, huh? I I've always been a big fan of con stuff before you need before it happens on its own. Yeah, right. Like like yeah. do things prematurely, right? Because yeah. then you're in complete control and you can do it on the terms you want, right? And so yeah. there's, I mean, like we've done lots of things at Zactronics that we could have waited and let them happen to us, and it's just like no, we're gonna do this ourselves, like now and and take advantage of it. Yeah, yeah, so, and it all it always works out. Like it's 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 good to be in control. Like I don't know why you would leave things to to chance, right? Like, yeah, I I'm saying yes, and I'm definitely someone who has a trouble. Like I know I should do that, but I do have trouble letting go of things. Yeah, yeah. but we all know it's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, there's also yeah. too. I think there's there's the privilege of being able to do that too, right? That you you are in a position to be able to move on, and not everybody has that. But then that that can be unhealthy, right? Because you. Like I, I got to keep trying to make this work. I got to keep trying to do this over and over again. Yeah. And but if you do step back, you kind of realize that maybe you are in a position to change or move on. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. And, but but it but recognizing that I think is it, it it's difficult. Right. Right. If yeah. you're not in a, like a safe space to be able to make that kind of dangerous decision. Yeah. Or if you don't, if you for some reason don't have the ability to take a st- step back psychologically and evaluate whether it actually is dangerous. Yeah. You know, because sometimes it'll feel like leaving or ending something is dangerous and risky. But if you actually stop, kind of change your mindset and spend some time really thinking about it and analyzing it, you realize that actually the risky thing is to continue forward the way that you've been doing it, mm-hmm. you know, and it's actually less risky to make the change. But it's, you know, everyone's really busy in life. And so it's kind of hard to find the headspace to to make those calculations, honestly. Right. That's why having like a sounding board and going for a walk can be yeah. really helpful. I feel like this decision was a lot easier than you guys are characterizing with what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was pretty easy. It's just a job, you know, I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that's like you say, it's just a job. But I think I think a lot of our audience is, is indie developers yeah. who are working on their first game or are struggling to be successful mm-hmm. or to find, the, find a reason to go on. And so I think it is a very foreign feeling to 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 think, well, I guess we can just stop. Um, and so I think that's probably why it sounds uh, strange to you. 
Um, yes. Because- oh, yeah. We have nothing in common with <laughs> with people who are starting an indie development. Unfortunately, that's why all my advice is useless. Right. Right. There's no, there's nothing I could say that like I know I got lucky ten years ago. Like that's that's my you know yeah claim to fame. Like well, I don't. <laughs> I think also it, it seems sort of unimaginable for people to say like, well, why shut it down when you can change it instead? But what I'm hearing, what I heard from sort of your last response was that. It, the weight of what a Zachtronics game was, and, I, and I've heard you say this in interviews recently, yeah. where you say, like, you, you, you want to do something else, right? And the whole team felt this way. And, yeah. and I, think I, w- I think I had this response, and I think a lot of people did, which is a little bit of confusion. Like, well, what's to stop you from j- just doing yeah. something else? But I think I, the way you describe it is, is that Zachtronics was really, it wasn't just the weight of, like, the public's opinion of what a Zachtronics game was, because it sounds like you didn't care at all about that. Um, and that's I think that I think yeah. is good advice. I know? think I think Eliza and Mobius front are testament to the fact that we really didn't give a shit about what people <laughs> yeah. thought about Zachtronics, right? We make games and they're they're decent, you know. That was our thing. Mm-hmm. They could be anything. Yeah, yeah. I think it was kind of a bullshit answer that we gave at the time, honestly. Yeah, yeah well, maybe. Well, because what I'm hearing <laughs> is that it's it, it, the the pressure to make as quote unquote Zachtronics game came internally from the configuration of how how the team yeah. worked. Yeah. That's that's I, what I'm hearing anyway. Yeah, and and that makes more sense to me. One of the things that was kind of tricky is that we liked everybody that we worked with. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, the, and we didn't have the bandwidth. We didn't have the ability to hire anybody new. And we didn't have the desire to get rid of anybody, mm. which meant that we were stuck being the same people, yeah. which meant that we were kind of stuck making the same kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, cause we were just kind of like, we didn't, yeah. Like we weren't doing well enough to like try to expand in anything new or yeah. like we were just kind of the same people doing the same things. And that was one of the things we were kind of hoping to do with shutting down Zectronics and moving on to other stuff is getting sort of more opportunities to work together with other people that we never worked with before. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Which it turns out was a disaster. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I've had I've had experiences like that where it's, you know, really loved working with the people that I was working with yeah. and stayed, I think, for those people long after I should have just left. Um, yeah. And it, it, you know, it's hard. It is hard leaving the people. Um, yeah. But it's going back to what you said earlier, probably best to make the move when you have control over it mm. versus yeah. when we, you don't. <laughs> we actually started a new game studio. <laughs> <laughs> I so wonder. Not everybody. It's yeah. So the immediately <laughs> after we shut down Zectronics, I, I started a, a, a an anarchist gaming studio. I love it. Because uh, some people wanted to work on some projects, and I was like, "Hey, we could like organize all of our resources together and and use this as a way to like make stuff and like collaborate together sometimes, but also collaborate with other people." Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and stuff like that, and so we've been. <laughs> I see Matthew every day. <laughs> like, we're in. The, we have an office. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So I mean, a big so, part of it wasn't just about, uh, like you you weren't trying to like free yourselves of the shackles of everything about Zachtronics. It sounds well, like it, it was about the sort of the current configuration and perhaps the the you know the um the oppression of 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 Zach. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well. Yeah. So we we actually didn't really have any plan in mind when we decided to shut down the studio. Mm. Yeah. And it, it took so long for it to happen mm. that like we weren't really thinking about it. We're just like we have to think about making two new games. Like that's the, you know, that's that's the work to focus on. So we never really thought about it. And I we were pretty like I think we were all pretty confident that we were going to go totally separate ways until, like, 
people started talking about projects they wanted to do. Uh-huh. And it's just like, oh, I could help with that. Oh, like this, you know, somebody else is helping you with it. Oh, okay. And it's like, oh, no, we're still, we still know each other. And we're all still like people who collaborate on things. Yeah. And yeah. so it ended up sort of being like, okay, like what's, what's the kind of structure that would allow us to work together flexibly without it being like a Zachocracy like before. Mm-hmm. And that was when we, we created this, this kind of structure that, you know, allows for nobody to be in charge, but without like the sort of like, kind of tragedy of the commons that happens in, in usual co-op studios where you know everybody splits up the profits evenly and people are like argue about who did what and and stuff like that so yeah, we, yeah it's, it's kind of neat so you're talking about so, it's anarchist in structure not necessarily in content and output <laughs> no i mean anybody can do whatever they want really yeah. like nobody's in charge right yeah. like I guess like they're not. I don't know what an anarchist game would be. Games are like the least anarchist thing ever. It's right. code that tells you exactly what you can and can't yeah, do. Yeah. Right? But like <laughs> the organization of the the studio is is yeah is is like nobody's in charge. We all can do our own projects and, and cut deals with each other and like the the money stuff works out based on like stuff that everybody agrees on, but doesn't have to be like nobody's getting a salary necessarily and mm. okay and stuff and okay. so. But it lets us have stuff like we can have we'll have an office together and. Multiple people can work on a project and then the studio owns it. So the studio is allowed to like sell it and distribute it on Steam and we're allowed to do it through the studio. But then we all kind of co-own the studio. So we all have ownership of the shared stuff. But then like the revenue streams get deflected to people based on how much like they worked on the project. And like kind of and, and so it's like this whole thing. I don't know. We're still kind of figuring out. I, I'd say yeah. it's it, it, it's quietly one of the coolest things I've ever invented. Um but it's just for us and nobody else gets to see it. But it's, it's, it's super cool, right? I've never yeah. been excited about like a corporate like structure before, but um, when I'm doing all the taxes and stuff, so it's like back, back into doing that after years of saying that I was too busy to do our own taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really exciting to be, I don't know, just design like a new structure. It feels very like, like something I, I employment is so 20th century, you know, like trying to design, but trying to design a version of it. That's like not, I feel like a lot of the stuff that's eroding employment is all bad for everybody. And so it's nice to come up with something that feels empowering. That, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Erodes employment. So, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's kind of cool. It's, we're, we've only been doing it for, for six months. So that's, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, the, just saying like the money stuff will figure itself out. Like that sounds very familiar mm-hmm. to, yeah. to <laughs> folks who have started anything. Um, and I, there's a, there's a, some naivete to that. Like, like, um, some, um, self-awareness though right like knowing that like yeah we're not we're not planning this out fully but that's that that negative is better than the alternative which is to come up with a a a, a suffocating structure now that we don't know will work Mm. for us Mm. oh no we have it all planned out it's 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 quite rigorous i have a document the whole thing is that we can cut our own little agreements with each other internally which lessens the burden of having to do it as like external entities like we have our own like it's i i came up with the idea after reading this book about uh it's called legal systems very different from ours Uh Hmm. and it's about legal systems that are very different than ours (laughs) and and a a big theme in the book was situated legal systems which is legal systems within legal systems Mm -hmm. and so a lot of communities have their own legal systems within legal systems and so they can make their own decisions with their own rules inside of their own or like like little yeah. entity, uh, but they're situated within a larger legal system. Like we are all situated within like, you know, being running a business in the United States, like there's a legal system now that's already in place. Yeah. And so that was what kind of led me to think like, how could we create our own little like situated, you know, like self adjudicated legal system within the greater one that allows us to, to be, you know, have like lower transaction costs on working together and stuff like that. Yeah. And so it's, 
Oh, that's, that's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> okay, so so there was a rigorous planning process. Oh no, yeah, there's there's like a white paper yeah. that I you know distributed amongst everybody like to explain how it works and stuff, and it's there's like an accounting method that you know makes all this stuff work out. It's yeah, it's it's pretty rigorous. So it's, I didn't want I didn't want to fall into the trap of people naively running a co-op. Like that's yeah, not yeah. That, that's you know like that's not that's not Zachtronicsy. You know, just like <laughs> letting things happen or being incorrect. You know, so. Yeah, it's 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 very deliberate. He made a manual for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> basically. <laughs> so how long did that I mean now I I just want to talk about this now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, fuck Zectronics. <laughs> Zectronics is dead. Yeah. yeah. Long news. live coincidence. Um, yeah. So uh how long did that I mean uh, like like you say you maybe were a little bit surprised to have come up with this idea, but then how long did it take to put that white paper together? Oh, I don't just wrote it up in an evening. Yeah. Like I don't know. We I would say it took us probably like Six months of talking about it. Right. I had to talk to like some people I knew who did like lawyery stuff and accountancy stuff to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And we're still trying to figure out how to like do our taxes properly. Right, right. But um, you know, like I don't know. It took us like probably like six months of just like thinking like okay, like getting getting into the mindset of Zactronics being like good and dead, and then um, and then just thinking about like well, what do we want the future to look like? Yeah. And and just kind of letting that simmer. And uh, yeah, Zactronics is also not dead. I should say we very much still sell and support. <laughs> Our games. Yeah. If you have a problem with your games, it will go to me. I, I still like work at Zactronics, uh, doing that. We're just not making anything new. Right. But people like think they're like, oh, now that your game, now that your games are no longer being sold, are you going to like <laughs> give them all up to charity or like open source them all? It's like, no, we very much still sell them and make money off of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's yeah. An was, important revenue stream. <laughs> I was going to ask about that because I think that for folks who are in game development, I think that seems fairly self evident. Maybe yeah. not, maybe not the gamers, but yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah. Uh, so so really, all it is le- it's left is uh, it's an entity, and it's still aligned with Alliance. Is that mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. And, and I still own it. Yeah, I still work for him. Yeah, and so so the the the, the new structure that you're part of uh, that you're you're putting together does that have a relationship with Alliance, or is that uh, separate? Uh, not it's they're they're pretty separate. Yeah, yeah. technically, I, I I do all my contracting through uh, through my the co op. Yeah, so. Okay. Yeah, so it's tech. They're not. They're they're unrelated. That's cool. <laughs> We're doing it again. We're talking about Patreon. Talking about uh, Patreon again, you guys. Yeah, no, this you're... is like the third time in a row. <laughs> it is okay. We said we're beating the drum. We're gonna beat the. Listeners, no, no, not that. Okay, yeah, <laughs> we got to rehearse these. <laughs> Listen, we have good content on Patreon. We've added new content, ad-free episodes. You're sick of ads. Uh, you can listen to them on Patreon without ads. Um, also, one thing I wanted to bring up that was important. Uh, Max got us this interview. It's a great interview. Um, and they've only heard half of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we wouldn't have Max without Patreon. So you supporting us through Patreon helps support the show in more ways than just, you know, we get paid to do a kind of expensive run. Yeah, it's a direct line to getting the cool guests that we've been getting lately. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and really, we... We wouldn't be able to do that right. without the support, direct support from listeners. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So if you are one of those people who's already a patron, thank you very much. Yeah. This, is, this isn't for you. Right, right. You just keep on keeping on. Well, like, the rest of you. <laughs> I was, Get on it. I was going to say, like, this one's for you. You know, like. Oh, I see. Oh, it's for I, them in a certain way. Yeah, we do have to rehearse these. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> Patreon.com slash Nice Games Club. Go to that. That was terrible, and we're going to stick with it. No, it's Patreon.com slash Nice Games Club. <laughs> what does innovation sound like? 
It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Um, I, yeah, I, I do want to just talk all about this new, yeah. this new thing. I mean, but we can. <laughs> we can. I know. But there are, there's a couple of things I do want to get into. Okay. Which is, um, I do want to talk a little bit more about Last Call. Because, mm-hmm. uh, and, you, and you, I think you gave us a lot already about it, which is like where it came from and how, you know, how it was made and, and, and the sort of time and place of it. But I'm, I want to talk a little bit about the, the content itself and how mm-hmm. much that was sort of inspired or even about the the fact that you'd made that decision already to end Zachtronics, mm, yeah, like the definitely wor- the world right? building. It's called Last the- Call. Yeah, yeah. It's not. Yeah, it definitely. I mean, I think that was one of the things we figured out is that these were these were game ideas we had that never became real games or like stuff that I had been toying with, and and so like especially um you know like the 20th Century Food Court, all the big games were were sort of big things that I'd been thinking about. You know, Chip Wizard is very much a sequel to this Flash game Constructor I made years ago that people have been emailing me for like. 10 years asking for a sequel to or a remake or something. And so it's all, it's literally like last call. Like this is your last chance to get a Zachtronics game. Right. <laughs> I guess people didn't get to ask for what they wanted, but it is kind of based on stuff that people like, you know, like, like the constrictor one really was something that people had been asking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it, it was kind of like that. And so we, we really leaned into it, like with the name and the idea. And then the story of the game is very much, about somebody looking back at their like looking back at their life uh, through the eyes of um, like all the people who made software and games that they knew over the like the years like that's the story is this person who sets up this old computer for you to play around with and then as you play the different games like it turns out all those games are on there because he knew all the people who made those games and all of them stopped making games and so it's all about the careers of those people yeah like one of them was just like an indie game made by a random guy who only ever worked by himself and one of them was about a guy who ran a 
a small game studio called Zach Maddox, who shut down the studio to become a teacher. You know, <laughs> like that's one of the games is about uh, like a coked up movie executive who wants to get into games and has like big ideas for games. And it just, it's all that they're all about like people who made games and the game, they stopped making games and the games went away. And yeah, like, it was all about, you know, that. And so there are a bunch of different ways of looking into like kind of what happened with us and less cocaine, I guess. But yeah. <laughs> well, I think reading about the the personalities in, in, the, in that world, I think the principal innovation of that game was not to set it in the past, but to just make it about the past. And, mm, yeah, yeah. And I, I think that, and so I, I'm working on the sequel to Hypnospace Outlaw. So there's a couple of things mm. in Last Call that I'm looking at and like, oh, we're doing something similar. Oh, we're doing something totally different. And so it meant a lot to me playing it, um, working on something similar. And I think that that idea of like that context of, oh, this is an old machine. I'm booting it up for the first time in 20 years and putting yourself in that space is very different from a, 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 a kind of nostalgia that might seem more, um, obvious or easier which is just to like haha look at the past um, yeah and that, that's all matthew i would have done the bad thing if left to my own devices on that surely <laughs> like he's that's just a testament to him being like a good a good writer mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah and just the the fact that like some of the stories are incomplete like you don't know what happened to some people oh yeah, uh, I, yeah. That, uh, I don't know just um i mean this is just the part, portion of the show where i just lavish praise on it because <laughs> i think it's a great combination of 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 mechanic and experience mm. and storytelling yeah. which for i think a lot of game developers think you need to have a complicated game with a lot of systems to be able to do that mm. and i think yeah. i think you can have a lot of nuance and depth and and complexity in in the, those relationships without needing a ton of of those systems and i think it was a just a wonderful balance and and hearing that it came out of sort of a well, this is what we got. This is what we'll make. Yeah, uh, like th- that sort of organic process. Uh, that I mean, that makes it sort of all the more interesting. In that it wasn't, yeah. you know, it wasn't like a grand plan to put it together this way. It's that you just you it it was what it was, and that's why it's the best version of what it is. I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I don't expect you to respond to that. I just. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good no, job. I don't I know. I I I still very much feel like it was. Like, I don't know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't super successful, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not, it, it's, it's very much a game. It's a Zachtronics game for Zachtronics fans, yeah. which was kind of what we intended, but yeah. like, it's always, I don't know. It's, it's definitely after making commercial video games, it's, it's hard to not like think about it like a person who makes commercial video games. Right. And right, it's always just right. like, oh, well, this did less well than Opus Magnum because everything I'll ever make again will do less well than <laughs> Opus Magnum. <laughs> I didn't even like that game all that much. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's weird, but yeah, I, yeah. Well, to, to that point, <laughs> uh, under this new regime, um, <laughs> not regime. Okay, <laughs> I'm down with regime. I can call it that. Yeah. I mean, you know, when the next thing that comes out as a result, whether it's something you lead or something from the rest of the team leads, mm-hmm. will you find yourself? Can you imagine finding yourself less um, naturally comparing it to previous successes because it is kind of starting over? Or will you no. find yourself doing that? I think that I'm pretty again? ruined. Yeah. Uh, as a person, I just feel, yeah, for sure. 100%. Cursed. Yeah. Yeah. It was bad. I mean, I, I think that, like, if I had never had the thrill of making video games, maybe I would have stuck with teaching for longer. Mm-hmm. Right. But, like, it's just hard to compete with. One of my, one of my students, like, he's like, Why'd you become a teacher, Mr. Barth? I'm just like, I just wanted to see what it was like. And then he's just like, Yo, Mr. Barth's a main character. He's, a, he's a, a main character. Is that the what the and yeah something yeah. like that like yeah 
So it's just like, yeah, this kid has me pegged. Yeah, like it's, <laughs> you get to be such uh, like a like a narcissist when you're making video games, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and being praised for just fucking whatever you come up with. Like, oh, we need to make a game. We'll just make something, and then critics are just like, oh, this is a game is amazing. The thing you do with the storytelling, whatever you just said. Yeah, know. sorry. But like, <laughs> right? No, but that's the that's the truth, right? Is like you get all this attention just for doing like anything, yeah, right? I guess not anything, but like doing the thing that just comes naturally, and it's mm-hmm. like it's hard to like. So like well, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna be a teacher. I'm just gonna hang out with these kids who don't appreciate anything I do and aren't don't even like programming all that much. And it's like no, I'm gonna go back to where all the praise gets heaped on me by yeah, all yeah, the yeah. adoring fans and critics. <laughs> yeah. It's I'm I am super ruined by being a commercial game developer. Mm-hmm. Being human, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I for for our listeners, I think one of the things that 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 you can take away from this is because I think a lot of times a successful game developer like yourself, uh, whatever measure of success you want to put on it will say things like that. And I think it's for someone who hasn't had success, it can sound like false humility, but I think the thing that you should take (laughs) away from that instead is that that kind of, that kind of praise that, that, uh, that someone like you will get is within everyone's reach. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? I think hearing you say like, it's just a thing I made guy. Like it's not, you know, I, I think that that, that shouldn't, that shouldn't depress the the struggling game developer yeah. out there. That should inspire them. Right. Because it, it just means that, you know, I mean, it's the commercial success kind of that what brings you the praise yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, every idea you make is pretty good. Like that's kind of what I've always sort of felt. And there's, there's discipline and skill and talent that you have to bring to it. And, yeah. you know, not all things are equal. But I think it can be to hearing someone like you just say, like, well, we, we just did what seemed natural. It wasn't this grand plan or opus, I think, should make people feel a little bit like more like they can relate well, to you. Yeah, it's a testament to, like, uh, how unique everybody's games are. Like, people yeah. felt that your game, even though you were just doing what you were doing, right? People felt that, you're, they, that it, it had an impact in their lives. They enjoyed it and they were heaping praise on you because of it. And it's just a thing you were doing, right? Yeah. Like, and anyone can do that. Like when I'm making a game, somebody can go, oh, wow, that's uh, Steven made that game and I loved it so much. And I'd be like, I just did the thing and I'd balance some numbers. I like balancing numbers. Thanks. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. You're yeah. doing, you're doing the thing that you love yeah. and mm-hmm. because you're doing the thing that you love to do and then you, you know, that you're good at and it comes naturally even if you weren't good at it yet, like if you love doing it, you're going to continue doing it and right. you're going to get better at it and then you will be good at it. Yeah. That's some of it. So Zach, this extended run of us letting you off the hook, does that sound <laughs> yeah. right to you? You guys are very optimistic. Uh, <laughs> we are a nice I would games not club. Place, <laughs> I would not, maybe I'm, I'm not the right person for a nice games club. Uh, uh, <laughs> the unkind games club uh, would be more my, my thing. We haven't yeah, had an know. evil I, games club episode. Yeah, we do while. have evil games no. club episodes. Maybe we'll I don't mean evil though, just, just kind of uncaringly unkind. Okay. Uh, I don't, All right. I, the, I feel the like I got off. exceedingly lucky. There's yeah. lots yeah. of people who make games that are probably more or less comparable to mine, mm. you know, like that are in the similar style and they just do way less well. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I think I came along at the right place, you know, and did did a thing that wasn't like huge, right? Like our games are a lot less successful than a lot of games, but they're still bigger than a lot of people doing similar things. Mm-hmm. And it's like can't explain it, right? Yeah. Like it's I yeah. think I've just been exceedingly lucky and it comes down to very little else. Yeah. You well, know? yeah. And it's, it's, in terms of monetary success, that's kind of a num- it's just the That's the only success. kind of success is monetary success. Well, it depends on the <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess, yeah. Having people say that you made a neat thing is very much within everyone's reach. That's why it's not worth anything. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't pay the bills. You no, know, it absolutely does yeah. not pay the bills. Right. I mean, that's this true. is the point that's I was totally trying true, to yeah. make. I, I'm ruined as a person. 
<laughs> I wasn't kidding. Yeah, yeah. Well, it and really fucks up your like ability to judge things and yeah, value mm-hmm, things. Yeah. I, I struggle to make things just for their own sake. I'm just constantly like, oh, this is like this is insignificant. It's like, well, why is it insignificant? It's like, well, it's going to be played by a small number of people. Yeah, you know? I, and, and as yeah. that's just directly linked to how much money it makes. Yeah. Right? I guess unless yeah. you give it away for free. But like, I don't. Yeah, it's just mm, I don't know. That's interesting. Like, I, my I my brother, yeah. he he, uh, you know, he has a successful game too. Um, it, Hyperdot. Uh, and um you know he's been he like struggles with that too and i i talked to him about it because i haven't had like a big successful game out yet and my aspirations for game dev is not about it's not really about how many people uh play the game it's about how i guess i just want to get my ideas out there well wait till a lot of people mm-hmm. play one of your games. exactly right? yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll all of a sudden change and form and i'll be like oh dang now i gotta make a game that other people like that a lot of people like mm-hmm. and, and it'll completely mess with you yeah um dang well you know i don't know how you feel about like the show because the the show is one of uh, our most successful outputs yes and i'll look at our download numbers and i'll and every time they go up a little bit i'll be like why aren't they higher (laughs) (laughs) and that's it's it's that very natural feeling of like yeah i was really happy that first couple weeks when we got 20 downloads yeah i was like oh my god it's incredible yeah Yeah. and then but that that feeling faded really right right and it's you kind of do have to sort of let yourself uh, know that that's true about everybody. You right. Become acclimated to it. You got to chase higher numbers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's like it's, an incremental game, <laughs> but it's life. It's like an incremental game, and I've I've failed to like reach the next level. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I have a question for you, Zach. So knowing this about yourself, like having that experience and having that mindset, um, and knowing that you have it. Does it make the process of making the games less fun or less like personally gratifying? Or is it just different than if you had started out from, you know, when you started out and just making something? I mean, I feel like I always just kind of make stuff because I have to. Mm. Like you Mm. were saying, like, it's just the the ideas have to come out in the form of a game. Yeah. Right. And that's that's sort of just, you know, that's that's the reason why it's all happening. Right. Right. Like you have to because that's the way your brain is built or you have to because you have to pay the bills and like eat. Oh no, because I, that's the way my brain works. Okay, all right, that's what so I thought you it's, meant. It's a, yeah. it's a bad way to pay the bill. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, especially when I started. Right, it was yeah. just like I want to make this game. Yeah, it wasn't even that I wanted to play it. I think that's one that we, you were asking before about what games I like to play, and it's like I don't even really play that many games anymore. I'm certainly not making games that I want to play. Like people who make puzzles don't make games they want to play because you can't play your own puzzles. Right, right? and mm-hmm. I, I I kind of feel like making any game kind of ruins it. I mean, I, I certainly don't want to play my non-puzzle games either. <laughs> right? Like it's, yeah. just, it's really, for me, making games is its own interesting activity and I just want to do it. And I, I sort of yep. accidentally stumbled into a, a way to do that that also is, is you know, successful enough to be my job. Yeah. Yeah. But, and that's, I, I think that's one of the things is it's, it, it's easy as a creator to think that like when people start liking your games that it's like, oh, it's because they like the stuff I make. And it's like, no, that's actually not true. Like a small number of our, the people who buy our games like anything I make. I can sell a thousand of anything, like anything just because I made it. And they're like, whoa, this came from your brain. Your brain is so interesting. And it's just like, yeah, it is. You know, it's a very small number of people. Right. Yeah. And most people who play our games, they like the game and they have no idea who we are. Right. And yeah. Who yeah. I am. Yeah. And then it just doesn't matter. And so I think realizing that, like the, the the sort of corollary to that is that like you can't just make anything and expect it to be successful, right? Mm-hmm. And this is why like our, our programming puzzle games were so much more successful is mm-hmm. because they were actually the things that people wanted, you know, and there's there's like a connection there. And it, I think that was kind of a hard thing to to really understand. And then when you do understand that, it's like, well, what do you do with that? Like, 
I guess you just say, oh, well, I'll just make these other games for fun on the side. But like, I don't really make games for fun on the side. I just do it as my job. And so it's like, where does that fit into it? And it's, you know, whatever. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Steven, you talked about that, that recently, about you're not really, you've, your motivation for game jams has just plummeted yes, since you has. became a professional mm. game developer mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. a salary. Oh, yeah, yeah, because, I mean, I don't know, you're doing that all the time now, and so, like, a game jam, doing it for a weekend is an exciting departure from your regular life is not, that's not what a game jam is anymore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just... I haven't done a game jam for, like, 20 years. Right. <laughs> <laughs> totally tracked. Yeah, it's just your your job condensed into mm-hmm. a weekend. Like, it's not... Yeah. That's so wild, because I... I I have not experienced that, but okay. that's because the games I make are really different yeah, in their yeah, purpose. Yeah, yeah. So I do educational games mm-hmm. um, mm. for kids and for adults, um, and that runs the gamut from things that are small, and you can make them in like a month, to things that are huge, and it takes two years to pull them out. I mean, that's huge for like a, an educational game or a training game. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so for me, game jams are still a way that I can do the process that I love, because that's one of the thing that i love most about game development mm-hmm. isn't the games mm-hmm. it's like working with people working with cool people to make something that's neat yeah that other people might like yeah. or might be useful and that's something I, that's how i used to approach game jams too is i would right. always be like i'm going to work with this person and i want to do this uh, whatever it is it doesn't matter as long as i'm working with this person yeah. So, yeah i get that yeah yeah but like the game that that i ended up making with global the global game jam team mm-hmm. which i did not set out to do that was not my plan for a global game jam mm-hmm. um was very different from anything that I make on the job. Yeah. So it's still a break. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. But yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I definitely can't turn off. I cannot turn off the part of my brain um, that I have learned to lean into with my job, um, which is what do we need the player to be able to do, right? Yeah. So when you're thinking about educational games, and I'll talk about this on the show forever, <laughs> Um you think about what do you need players to be able to do in the real world after they've completed the game. So, like, how do you use the game to help, like, highlight or outline a specific type of system that um, that exists in the real world and that the player is going to engage with? Um, and how do you use the game to do that? So, how do you recreate the parts of the system that you need to recreate so that they can see that system at work in the real world and then go and learn more about it or engage with it more effectively? I can't turn that part of my brain off. Yeah. Pretty much at any time it's always just going and so that's just how my brain works now and that so when you said that you know your brain just makes games zach that totally made sense to me it's just the thing that you do that's how my brain works too yep i've definitely i fall between the two of you like i'm also like my energy for game jams has dropped Hmm. but for this kind of the same reason but it's because it's not it's like an exercise. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm done with exercises. Yeah. When I make things, I want to make things. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, but Ellen, I'm still with you in the sense that like, I want to make new things all the time, but I, I tend to do them as thought experiments now. And that satisfies me mm, Yeah, in, in a way that like spending a couple of days on it to do a prototype or a game jam doesn't anymore. Um, so I think we are all motivated. Mm. We all feel the same things, just express it differently. I yeah. Guess. yeah. You yep. know? Different journeys, different paths. Yeah. Different. I was kind of trying to make like a Zach dictator joke, and uh-huh. I didn't. It didn't happen. <laughs> Different forms of government. Whatever. Right? Different forms, forms of, government. of government. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So back to your anarchist collection. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, um, it, you say you've been working. You've been. That's been sort of going for six months. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Uh, not to ask you to reveal anything about what you're working on if that's not you're not comfortable. But like, are you spearheading a project now? Are you contributing to others? Uh, how how many uh, you know uh, seeds are growing at the moment? Uh, so I, 
I actually, as soon as we started the co-op, I immediately went out and got a job <laughs> working at a game company, kind of. Mm-hmm. Ah. And that that um, ended in December uh, badly. So oh. Oh, no. I haven't really been working on it much for very long. Okay. But yeah, I have a project that I'm, I, I was sort of like th- thinking about it and like noodling and doing some background on it mm-hmm. during that time. And so I started working on it very recently. <laughs> um, I also, I guess, I have like a card. I made a card game. Cool. Like oh. A year and a half ago, yeah. and and I stopped working on it. And then when we were all back in the office with the co-op, I, I sort of brought it out and made one of the other guys play it. And he was like, "Oh, this is kind of fun." I'm like, "Really? I think it's kind of trash." And he's like, "No, it's fun." <laughs> and I'm like, "Okay." So we we spent like a couple months just trying to kind of like make it better, mm-hmm. and and then finished it. And one of the other people in the co-op is doing like the art for it, and yeah. you know we have our little like agreement set up in advance about how we split the money from it, and mm-hmm. we're gonna do like a Kickstarter for it eventually. Yeah, it takes forever to do, especially when we're all working on it on the side. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, it's taken a while, but yeah, soon it's like a. It's like a cross between, so it's like a single player, like war themed card game, but mm-hmm. it's not a war game. It's really like a solitaire game because like we Ooh. did the solitaire collection. Yeah. I like solitaire games a lot. And so it it's somewhere in between the space of like a tactics, like a really, really stupidly lightweight tactics game and a solitaire game, which is really just about like adjacency of cards with numbers on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's okay. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to, again, this is like a thing. It's like I... You know, I, if, if I want to make a, if I'm going to make a game, I want to sell it. But yeah. like my my ability to make games that people want to buy are not necessarily up there with it. So it's like I'm going to make and sell a game, and it it's not going to be the best game out there probably. But like I don't really I don't really like board games that much. But uh, <laughs> they're tedious and ugh, yeah, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I don't know. So that's like an experiment. That's the kind of thing I don't know. I don't know if we would have done that at Zectronics. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. Kind of. We did a lot of weird stuff at Zectronics too, though. I mean, like we mm-hmm. we ported some of our games to like MS-DOS and the Nintendo <laughs> and the NES and stuff. So yeah. we got up to weird stuff then too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. So we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Other yeah. people at the co-op are working on better projects, but <laughs> <laughs> nothing to announce yet. Yeah, it's interesting because we as a group, we do uh, uh, game jam episodes where we do, yeah. we do a, a mm. one-hour game jam and we tend to make card games for that because it's easy to do around a table yeah, yeah. and we did the same thing we were like oh this one's pretty good and we developed it and moved forward so it's interesting you talk about that because I think we all felt the same like we're not board game people right and so it, it just felt a little alien but also exciting yeah uh, to sort of do that and, and make it a commercial project. Um, right. But just wait till you release it and get all that praise. It's going to ruin you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I actually feel very intimidated by the board game thing just because it's such a thing that's developed on its own. Yeah. And it's been a thing for long enough that it's like way up its own ass about like what people expect from board games. And it's like, if you look at the board games that come out now, it's just like, Jesus Christ, like it's like a hundred dollars. It's this big, you know, like it's, yeah. it takes like a, like the biggest, like your table isn't even big enough for it. Yeah. Like the instructions are 50 pages and it's like, what any, is any of this? Like all my games are kind of simple by like, I mean, I, I guess like the, the thing about a lot of electronics games is they're, mechanically they're usually pretty simple they just kind of go together in ways that are hard for people to think ahead on Mm. but like the mechanics are usually kind of like a smallish set of mechanics right they're just ones that require you to think and this is the same thing where it's like it's actually like a really simple game um and i I sort of worry it's just like oh i don't i don't really know what it takes to have people buy your card game but i'll probably sell like a thousand of them like if all the diehard zactronics fans come out (laughs) in force i love them the people who love you just because you made like stuff just because you made it is like the greatest yeah yeah (laughs) the greatest thing they're the 
the true fans. <laughs> I mean, just to get someone to try it, like yeah. that's so mm-hmm. hard. And ha- being able to start one step ahead on that is mm-hmm. is so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think the last question I have for you um, from our outline is really just about about. I mean, you're a person now who's starting a thing, but I think what advice do you have? Not for people starting out in the careers, but people looking ahead when they when they're starting something, I think none of us really ever consider what the end will look like. And mm. I don't know that that's a bad thing necessarily, but is there anything that you learned in the process of sort of shutting down this phase of your career and the company that that you would have liked to have known when you started it? Not not really. I mean, that's the, the you kind of like, I don't know, I th- it would have been weird for us when we started to think about how we were going to exit because there was just so much information we didn't have. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and also, I've just done it so many times. Right. <laughs> like, I guess I, I, I think about, you know, I, I, I yeah, I don't know. Like, it's, it's just um, it's not it's not a foreign concept to me thinking about like how to, you know, like wrap things up. <laughs> yeah. So having done it so many times, it's just like, yeah, this, this seems like a good time. You know, like, yeah. I don't. So practice, I'm not sure. practice shutting. Yeah, down. yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I, I think it's good. I think it's good practice, like for like a life skill. Yeah. Right. Like you, you guys were talking about that. Like I, I think it's not that I would just say like go go like wrap things up just for the sake of wrapping things up. You know, like that's yeah. not <laughs> that's not the advice I would give. I don't know. It's just like it was just the thing to do at the time. Well, like, I, just, you you recognize that you wanted this to end, and people around you recognize that they wanted it to end as well, and so you ended it when you had the ability to do that instead of, you know, you recognizing, Oh, I'm done with this thing, but you carrying it on for three or four hours or years or whatever. Yeah. I yeah. think that's, yeah, a, yeah. that's, that's something that people can practice in their regular lives with small things. Like, I don't know if you keep buying the same hot dogs and you're like, I'm sick of these hot dogs, but like, I don't want to buy anything else. You can just try buying something else. It's not a hot dog. Well, I, mm. I mean, that speaks, I think your example <laughs> is a little strange, but yes, it, is. Yes. <laughs> it speaks to when you make, when you tie yourself to things, right? when you establish habits or dependencies yes. to at least kind of imagine yourself, what would it take if this didn't go the way I wanted it and I wanted to stop doing this? Mm-hmm. Because, it, I mean, I guess it's not bad a bad idea just to move forward, but it, it's worth it to think about what it would take to wind it down if you change your mind later. Yes. And whether that's six months from now or three years from now. Yeah. But, but I mean, Zach, your example is just, it, it, the example from your experience is just that it actually isn't that important to worry about it until it, no, is that right? I mean, I I, th- I think about stuff a lot, yeah, like like a lot, right? So, I guess it's natural to think about doing stuff like I'm not I'm not sure. Yeah, there's not really advice here. This is not this is like a no advice zone. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's just do the right thing at the right time for a variety of reasons, right? It's, yep. Yeah, I feel like with all this, like with all this stuff, it, it's I like the first time we shut down Zachronics, mm. right? It it wrapped things up in a way that like we all benefited from it. And so you would think like, oh, they shut down the studio. That means that that's bad. It's like, no, this allowed us to realize all of our successes because we were no longer living game to game. You get to cash out your last game. Yeah. Right. And that was huge. Mm-hmm. Right. That was that was a tremendous amount of money because we didn't have to spend it on like another game. Mm-hmm. And and then we had all the like residual stuff from it. Yeah. You know, and then when we restarted Zactronics again we had still had done all that stuff in the past and now we were able to like also leverage it again. And so I think, I think the thing to kind of like 
the thing about all of this is like when we do all this stuff, it's because we like we're better off doing it than not doing it. And I, I think that's what I meant by like thinking about stuff a lot is like yeah. just kind of crunching the numbers and like doing whatever it takes to get ahead, even if it doesn't look like a thing that people would do. Like I think people put like symbolic weight into the idea of like, oh, like shutting down the studio is symbolically bad. And it's like, but if you don't believe in symbols, then you can do whatever you want and and do whatever it takes to be successful. Yeah. Right. And so it's just, it's just an extension of that. It's just in, in life with everything. Like, it's just like, you know, it doesn't matter what anything means. Like just mm-hmm. do the right thing to get what you want. Yeah. 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 The, just think about it. Right. Like, <laughs> like that's, yeah. that, I think that is good advice because sometimes people yeah. don't sit and stew on a thought or, or, yeah. or think it all the way through. Right. Yeah. And I suppose yeah. the obsessive compulses among us, are probably like, well, of course, that's what that's what everything is like. But that's yeah. not, you know, not everyone does that. It's not always healthy. Yeah. But. yeah. It helps to believe in nothing. Um, is that advice? <laughs> believe I mean, in nothing. You can do anything. Technically, yes. But <laughs> <laughs> technically, yes. I'm going yeah. to sum it up as go for a walk and yeah. think about stuff. Go for a walk. Well, it's also oh, yeah. telling well, you that everyone's different and yeah. every situation is different, right? There's not universal truths. Yeah. And and that's kind of like, that's that, and you end up in a no advice zone when you try to come up with them right that's fair you know i think yeah. the walking that's a good advice that yeah. one of the big things about zectronics is that we almost like all of our decisions were made while walking mm-hmm. we our offices are always in a very walkable area and so i we very rarely would have like anything resembling a meeting where we were sitting down oh, okay and we were like like obsessive about this right like this is one of the big problems i've had when going to work at other places is that other people don't go for walks every time they have any conversation <laughs> about anything and um you you think a lot better when you're walking, it turns out. Mm-hmm. And I think that's maybe part of why we make good decisions too, is because we made them all walking. That sounds it's like, like a advice. Big deal. It's hard it's hard <laughs> to like work this into people's like structures and lives and, yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Because so many like any big company is set up around like having meetings where you sit down. Mm-hmm. I, I worked remote the, the the thing I did for a couple of months, I was all remote. And the thing I hated about working remotely is like you kind of have to be at your computer to like talk to people. Yeah. And it's like, you can't just go for walks and talk about, so you can kind of do like a phone call and it kind of works, but it's kind of awkward. And like yeah. the other person's not necessarily walking. And it, right, it, it's right. really like a, it's a very valuable thing. I think that we used to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's the advice. That's advice. Yeah. Yeah. That's advice. That's yeah, exactly. Yep. I genuinely would recommend that. Have Make all decisions while walking. <laughs> Somebody told me. I mean, try it for like a week le- and see if it works for you. Yeah. <laughs> your, your legs pump the blood, and so it gets your blood flow going, yeah. which gets more blood going to your brain, which mm. means it runs better. So mm. I don't know if that's true, but sure. I'll just spread that idea yeah. anyway. We can fact check it for you. I mean, I could, I could theorize, but it's really just me talking out of my ass, which is just like, <laughs> yeah. it, 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 you're it maybe focuses you on a single topic, uh, you know, yeah. and because you're sort of, you're, you're set on a task, which is to walk around. And so you don't have time to have your mind invaded with all sorts of other thoughts. Yeah. You've got just enough space for the one thing you're out there to talk about. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe endorphins too. Yeah. 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 True. Also a good point. That's yeah. a thing. Right. It might make you less, uh, you know, uh, frustrated to, you know, cause sometimes in meetings you're just waiting for someone to stop talking. Oh gosh. Um, yeah. <laughs> maybe sometimes, but if you're on a walk, then it's fine. You, you yeah, let them talk as long as they want. Yeah. Cause there's a squirrel over there and you can look at it. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. Or like some, I guess tree. there's also a thing too, cause you can't walk and talk with that many people. Yeah. So yeah. on the topic of meeting, it keeps, it keeps ah, the, the okay. conversation small and focused cause you just can't drag that many, even three people yeah. is almost, is like bad. Mm. Right. Yeah. And so it keeps, keeps people not huh. having to talk about stuff that Fascinating. Don't need to be in a meeting over. I will have to look into this walking concept. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, it's finally warm enough here. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah. We'll, uh, we'll look forward to your report in a couple weeks. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> Zach, where do mm-hmm. people find you on the internet if they want to get more advice or wisdom or see what you're up to? Oh, um, I the best way to look at our stuff is still the Zachtronics accounts. So there's like a Zachtronics Twitter account and a Zachtronics mailing list. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess you can look up coincidence.games there's nothing there but that's but that's where to park uh, and wait for the the next yeah exactly that's that's our website with no games on it that's where the card game will show up soon and that's where other stuff will hopefully show up after that nice so cool yeah there's a mailing list there too you can sign up for there you go you don't have to then just like hover over the refresh button (laughs) yeah yeah i'll mail you when something happens Yep. <laughs> Technology. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty it feels pretty silly talking about a game studio with no games, but um the yeah, that's the that's the situation. Yep. Hundreds do it all the time. Yeah, well, it's not yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I was really planning on not talking about it to anybody until we had a game, but now it's like, well, we can talk about the structure of it and that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. You know? Wait, so. did did we coax a scoop out of you? Is that what happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never I've never talked about it publicly before. Oh cool. snap. Exclusive. Finally, yeah. news on this program. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, nobody really talks to you like when your studio doesn't exist anymore. It yeah. Kind yeah. Of, like yeah. they're like, oh, they're not a studio anymore. Like we don't need to talk to them. Yeah. It's, so. it's possible that interest in this is pretty low. So <laughs> <laughs> it's still news. Yeah. Dang it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have guests on all the time, and and we you know we tell them like we don't really care about you know talking about your next big PR thing. Yeah. And so we're not really interested in news usually. Yeah. Uh, so it's a special thrill for us. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you very much. Are we gonna yeah. get addicted to it now? Like uh, the big numbers. <laughs> now that we've yeah, now that we've had a Tell taste me of it. something new. <laughs> <laughs> That's our show. For show notes and links on today's discussion, go to our website, nicegames.club. Visit us on Twitter and Mastodon at Nice Games Club, where Dale tweets and toots about game dev resources and waiting for Godot 5. We like hearing from you, so tweet and toot back or email us. Contact at nicegames.club. Nice Games Club is on Patreon. Support the show and get stuff, including ad-free episodes. Sign up at patreon.com slash nicegamesclub. And if you want to keep things more casual, just stop by nicegames.club slash discord and say hello. Next week, we'll be looking at mini games and visual composition. But that's it for this week. So until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click.
Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 